Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Exodus chapter number 12, Exodus chapter number 12, and verse 21, Exodus 12, and verse uh, 21, I want to read a portion of scripture there, I don't know if we'll be able to get these screens going, I had a lot of scriptures that I was wanting to read on the screen just so happened that tonight I chose to do that and the storm blew in but we'll improvise Exodus chapter number 12 verse 21 then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover and ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two sides post with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning and the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep this service. There's one little phrase that I want to pull from here in verse 22. And it simply says, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. And I want to use as a subject for our uh, service here tonight, I'm reluctant to say just teaching, and yet uh, I believe that that's more in the line of what we'll be doing this evening. But I want to, I want to teach to you from this thought, stay in the house till morning. Stay in the house till morning. Um, last week, we spoke a little bit about backsliding. And uh, this is kind of like a, a second portion of that. And uh, I want to talk about some of the reasons for staying in the house of God. Let's lift up our hands and our voices to the Lord and let's pray for his anointing, his touch upon the remainder of this service. Jesus, we certainly need you tonight. We're praying, God, for your divine help, strength, and blessing on this service. Pray you'd keep your hand upon us this evening and all that are here. In the name of the Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Uh, probably more the most prosperous civilization uh, during that particular era of time. And uh, the scripture says that 
there arose a generation after that that knew not Joseph or uh, a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And as a result, when he began to see the multiplication and the blessings that were upon uh, the people of God, the Hebrews, then he made up in his mind that he would do his best to circumvent this so that they could not overthrow their bondage there. And he began to uh, rule them with more rigor, the scripture says. And uh, when that plan did not thwart their efforts at all, then uh, he, he began to uh, go to more drastic measures. And uh, we know that finally came down to decreeing that every male child that was born of the Hebrews be thrown into the river Nile. And this is where Moses was born out of this in this particular time. And uh, God raised up Moses to be a leader of his people. And uh, he spent, after he rose up in defense of one of his fellow slaves, or uh, if you want to say it this way, one of his uh, brethren who was a Hebrew, it was not really known by the Egyptians that Moses was an Israelite, but when they saw this, he knew that the word would get out. And he rose up and slew one of the taskmasters for his treatment of one of his fellow Hebrews. And as a result of this, there was a conflict. And so he goes for 40 years out into the wilderness. And there he gets married. And then he has uh, an experience with God at the burning bush. And he realizes that God has called him back to Egypt. And that God is going to use him to bring them out of bondage. And he is going to be along with Aaron. He's going to confront Pharaoh. And it's here that we see the plagues that we read about through the book of Exodus beginning. And with each one of these, Pharaoh is, of course, affected by it. And at some points he... He decides, well, I, I want to make a compromise. And then after the plague uh, passes, then he changes his mind very quickly. And the scripture says this, that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And uh, that's, that's something that uh, I don't ever want the Lord to become an enemy to me. I don't want to have such a spirit and attitude and live such a life that his mercy would fail to reach to me. And uh, anyway, he, he makes decrees and, and continues on in his uh, rebellion against what God wants and desires for his people. And the plagues increase and all the way down to this particular moment when God said, okay, I've had enough. I've extended opportunities to Pharaoh and he's failed to... Uh, obey he's failed to relent he's failed to yield and so at this point uh, this is going to get more drastic than ever and uh, there was preparation involved for this Passover he said first of all I want you to take seven days uh, Moses would instruct the people seven days and clean your house out of all of them. have a covenant with Jesus Christ Amen. That we have the blood applied to our lives and hearts. Amen. That, that we are covered through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
not only covered as it were, Covered is really a term that was used in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament we can use the word cleansed because it's no longer just rolling sins ahead, but we have been cleansed of all of our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. This blood is different than the blood of bulls and goats that was used in the Old Testament because they only had the effect of covering sin or rolling it ahead and taking care of it for one year. But what we've experienced has the power to eradicate and to cleanse and to wash and make us whole. Praise the Lord. That's the difference. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. This spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, represents pure blood. Amen. Represents blood that has the power over all sin. Amen. To totally overcome it and eradicate it in our lives. I want to read to you in Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse 6 through 7. It says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Praise the Lord. And of course, in the book of Hebrews, over and over again, and since we don't have our screen, if you'll bear with me just a little bit, I'll, uh, screen's working. We got one screen. Amen. We're a oneness church. We got one screen. Amen. Yeah. That's the way that works. Go to Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews chapter number 9, verse 11. But Christ being come, a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. And really when you read through the book of Hebrews, that's what it's all about, a more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. In other words, when we talked about a house in the Old Testament, we were talking about a physical structure. When we talk about a house in the New Testament, we're talking about the church that all of us belong to, a building not made with hands. Verse 12 neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once. Everybody say once. Once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That is again reminding us of the power that is in the blood of Jesus. That's again reminding us that, that, that whatever connection and whatever, whatever power sin had over you, whatever influence and impact, it didn't matter how many years, didn't matter how long you had been affected by sin. When the blood of Jesus comes, it has the power to eradicate. It has the power to cleanse and to wash away. And he said that price has been paid once and for all. Aren't you think we didn't have to come to church with a lamb tonight? 
We didn't have to come to the house of God dragging a goat behind us or a bullock or something or a turtle dove. But when we come to the house of God, all we got to come with is praise unto God that He completed the work at the cross, that the blood is powerful, that the blood paid the price. That's all He expects of us is to live for Him and to serve Him and to worship Him with our lives. And so we lift up our voices in praise, not begrudgingly, but we're thankful for the blood of Jesus that loosed us and liberated us from the ties that sin had on our lives. Oh, if you're thankful for the blood of Jesus, you ought to clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. And so I think it's important that I point out that the blood, and I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful that the blood can be accessed more than just one time. I'm thankful that there's still room at the cross. I'm thankful that I still have an advocate with the Father. I'm thankful that I could still go to the altar. And if I am willing to repent, the Bible said it's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. I'm thankful for that. I'm appreciative for that. But there's no reason... There's no reason for me because of a failure. There's no reason for me because of some mistake made to walk out and say, well, there's no hope and I might as well quit the church or leave the house. Oh, no, the house is the only place where I've got hope. And again, you understand what I'm talking about. The altar is the only place where I've got hope, where I can come back and get it right, get it straightened up. Instead of giving up, what you need to do is come and repent and be restored and renewed in the Holy Ghost again and let God reconcile you and get things straight and walk on and continue in your relationship with God. Praise the Lord. We, 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 there's, the blood is powerful enough. To cover our sin. Now, I think I need to qualify that a little bit. I don't believe that we should premeditate. The Bible said with that kind of attitude, there remains no more sacrifice for our sins. I don't think we ought to take advantage of, in a negative sense, the mercies and the grace of God and say, well, I can just do whatever I want to and be sloppy with our life and the way that we live. But we understand that in case of failure, in case we stumble, in case we, as someone might say, stub our toes spiritually, that we can come back again and be restored. That's all the more reason why to stay in the house, isn't it? That's all the more reason why to stay in the church and to keep living for God is because this is a win-win situation. Amen. God will help me to get back up again. I said, God will help me to get back up again. God will restore us again. And God will put us back uh, where we need to be in his kingdom again and give us our rightful place and position in his kingdom if we'll continue to walk with God and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the second reason why we need to stay in the house is for eternity's sake. I want to go to heaven, don't you? I want to see Jesus. I want to I see what is described to us in the Word of God about what heaven is going to be like. Walls of jaspers, streets of gold, gates of pearl. Uh, he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And uh, all of these splendors of heaven, the tree of life, and 
all of these things that are so wonderful and described to us of what heaven is going to be like. But you know, the most awesome thing is going to be, again, the Lamb. The Lamb is the light of that place, the Scripture says. And we're going to worship Him, and we're going to experience Him uh, throughout all of eternity. You think, uh, this is probably the best way I know how to describe it. you think of the best Holy Ghost service that you've ever been in on earth. The best Holy Ghost experience that you've ever had on earth. And that is just a little bit of what heaven is going to be like throughout all of eternity. Because the Bible said it's the earnest of our inheritance or that is a little down payment of what our inheritance is going to be like. So we understand through that that my greatest experience in the Holy Ghost is a little dab of what he's going to give me as far as my reward in heaven. That ought to make somebody really happy tonight. To know that my greatest experience in God and in the presence of the Lord, my greatest joy, my greatest times of being in His presence and and feeling the Holy Ghost move upon me, that's just a little touch of what heaven is going to be like. That's wonderful, isn't it? But I also don't want to go to hell. That's another motivation. I don't think it ought to be the principal motivation, but I think it ought to be a motivating factor. I think your love for God, and, 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 and if you don't get this, if you don't fall in love with Him, the Bible says that people believe a lie and will be damned because they receive not a love for the truth. And the truth is more than just, more than just uh, words that we read in the Bible. The truth is personified in Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And so... You, you, you love Him, you're going to love the truth. You're going to love the words that He's given us. And it's through loving Him, that's our greatest motivation for serving God is because we have a love for Him. And if we don't receive that love for Him, we'll believe anything. We'll be deceived. And it's amazing to me that people that have been taught uh, right and have lived what was right for so many years can be deceived. Why? Because they fell out of love with truth they fell out of love with him amen and therefore they were deceived they believed a lie and there's a lot of lies that are floating there's a lot of deception that is out there there's a lot of hypocrisy that goes on under the ram of religion and uh, there's a whole lot of uh, heresy that is also out there but uh, the bible said that he allows that that heresy to be there to prove those that are right, to prove those that truly love the truth. You won't believe that lie. You won't accept that heresy because you have a love for the truth of God's Word. Amen. That says that in Scripture, uh, that there must be heresies or heresies must come to prove those that are righteous. And so false doctrine is not something that has come along with our generation. False doctrine has been around forever. And a lot of times it kind of recirculates some of the problems that we experience overseas and we have to go and help teach and correct and those kind of things. We, we get to digging on it. We find out it's some, you know, there's nothing under the sun that is new. And so 
It's something that the devil said, well, that worked, you know, that worked a few hundred years ago. Let's cycle, recycle that and run it back through again, see how many more we can destroy and mess up and get off in false doctrines. So that happens from time to time. But those that love the truth, that is the biggest security you have against falling away. That's, that's the biggest thing that you can have as far as guarding your heart is to have a love for the truth of God's Word. And to be always responsive to it. And not ever develop this kind of attitude of, of being too common with it. Or feeling like, well, that's just old hat. I know we all believe that. And I know I've heard that ever since I was knee-high to grasshopper. And uh, we don't need to hear that again. Move on, preacher. Get something more. Get something different. Uh, feed to us. The uh, Bible said there would be those in the last days that have itching ears. Amen. They just wouldn't be satisfied, in other words, with just truths of God's Word. They wouldn't be satisfied with basic doctrine anymore because they would want something to entertain them. Is that not the world that we're living in today? But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be saved, it's not going to be entertainment that's going to save you. It's going to be the Word of God that is preached that is going to save you. That's right. And so we, we understand we understand through reading these things and understand through our revelation of the truth that we, amen, can stand firm and, and we can give a, a, an account with a pure conscience towards God that we've been obedient to Him. And I want to be saved, first of all, to see Jesus and to go to heaven, but also to avoid hell. Because according to the Word of God, there's some folks that are going to hell that I didn't want to associate with on earth too much, so why would I want to spend an eternity with them? Amen? I didn't want to fellowship too much with them when I was on this earth, so I certainly don't want to be stuck with them for throughout all of eternity. Amen? You believe that? The Bible tells us that all liars, for instance, will have their place in the lake of fire. It tells us that there's going to be fornicators and adulterers and effeminates and uh, people that are unthankful and people that are disobedient and rebellious and those kind of folks are not going to be in heaven. They're going to be in hell. Well, I don't want to be stuck with all those folks. Can you imagine all the murderers and the heinous crimes that's been committed? All those folks are going to be in hell. I remember uh, Brother J.T. Pugh preaching a message years and years ago, and there's still recordings of this if you're interested out on the Internet. But it's, uh, I think it was entitled Your First Night in Hell. Now, there's been a lot of knockoffs of that. But he was the originator of it. And so if you're going to listen to it, listen to the originator. First night in hell. And, and I think it was the first night in hell was the title of the sermon. And he talked about how that there, there were going to be all these famous criminals that went to hell. And he began to go through the list. Boston Strangler and all these kind of people. And some of them were years and years ago, of course. And and he went through all of that. He said, those are the kind of folks who's going to be in hell. Sometimes we don't think about that. But all of those kinds of people and the spirits that tormented them and the spirits that had such domination upon them is going to be in that place. That'd be a horrible place to be if there was no flames. That'd be a horrible place to be if there was no no uh, fire, if there was no uh, brimstone, if there, if there was none of those things to torment, it, it'd still be a horrible place to be. But I'm thankful that we can avoid it all by living for God and serving the Lord and staying in the house. Oh, praise the Lord. 
Another reason why is because of all the blessings and the benefits of serving God. Aren't you thankful for the benefits of serving God? I'm talking about all the addendums. I'm talking about all the additions to salvation. I mean, if we just got to be saved and we got to go to heaven to be with Jesus, that would be enough. If we just got to experience the Holy Ghost, that would be enough. If we just got to to be a part of his kingdom and there was not all of these other benefits that were given to us, that would be payment enough. The gift of God, as the scripture says, is eternal life. Amen. And And if that was the only gift we got us to live with Jesus Christ and have eternal life, that would be enough. But we understand that we have many more benefits than just that. Amen. And that is, of course, the greatest benefit. But we have more benefits than that. Let's go to Psalms 103, and I'll just kind of work my way through this. I, I, uh, and you may find more. I forgot my screen over here is not working. I kind of panicked there for a moment. Uh, you may find more, but there's like 31 benefits that we can count through here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget. Isn't it amazing how people get spiritual amnesia and they forget? They forget all the benefits of serving God. I don't want to forget. I want to have a good memory when it comes to how good God has been. You'll never lack for something to worship God about if you just won't forget what God has done for you, where you were before He found you, what He brought you out of, how He saved you, how He filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, how glorious that experience was, how He kept you, how the many times that He healed you and He set you free. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all of thy diseases. Anybody here remember what it was like to be bound in sin? Maybe it's been a long time ago, but you're thankful that you're free tonight. Amen. How many knows what it is? You just wave your hand at me. You know what it is to be healed of diseases. You know what it is to be healed of sickness and maladies. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy? Anybody thankful for the mercies of God? Amen. You're not deserving of it. We're not here because of our own goodness, but we're here because of the mercies of God. He's been awful gracious to us. He showed tender mercy to us who satisfy the mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed. Like the, How many has ever experienced the renewing of the Holy Ghost? And just like the psalmist said, you felt like when you left the church service, you could soar like an eagle. Things that kind of kept you bound and pinned down and kept you, kept you in a place that, that you didn't feel like you could get out of. All of a sudden, through the help of the Holy Ghost and the empowerment of the Spirit of God and renewing that came in an altar, you felt like, hey, I, I'm not going to let this hold me down anymore. I can soar. I can overcome. Amen. Things that I used to look up to, suddenly I'm looking down on. Why? Because of the renewing of the Spirit of God that comes. Verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness. Aren't you thankful He's He's a just God in judgment for all that are oppressed? Nothing goes unnoticed to Him. Amen. He made known His ways unto Moses and His acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, 
and plenteous in mercy. I'm glad God's not reactionary. I'm glad God doesn't doesn't just get so angry with us that he responds to our our mistakes immediately and passes judgment upon them immediately. But the Bible said he's slow to anger. He will not always chide with men. We have to be warned. Neither will he keep his anger forever. In other words, we're going to have a space like even, you know, and it's always been a, an amazing fact to me that he gave a space of repentance to the most wicked woman that we read about in the Bible, Jezebel, who represents more than just her acts, but she represents a spirit that is even alive and well. As you read the book of Revelation, it's going to be alive and well in the end time, and that is none other than the spirit of rebellion that works in people against the things of God. But even her, he gave her a space of repentance. He was so merciful He said, I'm going to give her a chance, but there is an end to it. There is a place that I have to respond and I have to judge and I have, because he is a God of mercy, but he is also a God of judgment. Amen. And he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. We didn't get what we deserved, in other words. That's a benefit. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. In other words, there's no sense in us continuing to be condemned by past sins because according to this scripture, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed them from us. And you've heard me say it before. You can go east as far as you want to and you'll never arrive at west. You can turn around and go west as far as you want to and you'll never arrive at east. I've heard of a north pole and a south pole, but there's no east pole or west pole. Amen. Because that's how far he's separated our sins from us. He wants you to understand that you don't need to be condemned with things that have been clear by the blood of Jesus. It doesn't need to affect your worship. It doesn't need to affect your relationship with God. It doesn't need to affect your prayer life. You need to go on and live for God in victory knowing that God has separated me from my sin as far as the east is from the west. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For as he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. There's nobody that knows me like he knows me. And that's comforting because he knows my intent. He knows my desires. He knows my frame, the Bible says. He knows the fact that I am limited in so many ways, for he knoweth our frame. As for man, his days are as grass. There is a limit to this life. We, it doesn't matter how, how alive you feel here tonight. There's coming a day we're all going to go if the Lord tarries by By the way of death, we're all going to be visited by death. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting, everybody say everlasting, everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness under the children's children. In other words, it extends 
Aren't you thankful for the benefits of God? We live for God, but others under our influence are affected by it. Children are affected by it. Grandchildren are affected by it. Great grand. I've known families that, that have a legacy that's been passed on. Why? Because there were people that lived for God and served the Lord. We see that right here in this church. Amen. The legacy of people that has been passed on and the heritage that has been created because of that. Amen. That is a benefit. That is a blessing of God that all of us need to acknowledge here tonight. Somebody said, well, my, my son or daughter's not living for God right now. Well, I'm going to tell you the end's not yet. Amen. There's still time. There's people in this house that have made it back because of the mercies of God. And I believe the mercies of God was extended to them because there was a mother and there was a father that was praying somewhere and living out the life and walking out the life. And because of that, God honored those prayers. That's all the more reason why parents shouldn't give up and grandparents shouldn't give up. Keep living for God. Keep being faithful. God is going to bring it, amen, back around. You just have to continue on serving God. Clap your hands to the Lord. There's 32,000 promises in the Bible. Let's go to Psalm 68. We're going to talk about what he daily loadeth us with. 6819. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. You know that that means take a little pause here and contemplate that a little bit. Remember that a little while. Amen. Reflect on that, what you've just read. Understand. Amen. Let's don't just skim over that and go on, but let's take a little time there and pause and reflect on it and realize he daily loaded. He's got enough grace for today. Amen. And, and he's got enough mercy for today. He loadeth us with benefits daily. And I could go on. I could talk about how he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We have that relationship with him. He can be relied upon. He's faithful. He's there when we need him to be. He doesn't walk out on us in our darkest places of life. I could talk about the fact of how that he strengthens us and gives direction to us. When we've got questions, he can answer uh, us through, through the word of God and help us and direct us through the spirit. And, and I'm thankful for that. But I've also noticed something that I want to I talk about before I move on. And that is, even in death, there's benefits beyond what happens in eternity. But at the time of death for the individual that lives for God, there's benefits. The benefit is, is that for the saint of God, God takes the sting of death away. I have witnessed, you have probably witnessed people that have died, and there's a difference between a saint of God and a sinner at the time of death. There's hopelessness that is felt, and there's anguish and their struggle many times at the time when a sinner passes from this life. But there is something about it when a saint of God uh, comes to that crossroads and that transition in their life. Uh, many times I've known them to be singing and worshiping God when they leave this world or their family standing around and worshiping the Lord, and they go from that moment of uh, being in the presence of God, worshiping the Lord, 
with uh, their family members to being in the company of angels, carrying them uh, to, 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 to eternity, amen, and to be in the presence of the Lord, amen. And so we understand that he takes the sting out of death. You don't have to fear death when you're living for God. It's a fearful thing when death comes to a person that is not serving God because that, that means that, that there is a sense of hopelessness. There is a sense that, that uh, uh, this, this is not something that I anticipate. It's not something that I can even look forward to. But uh, Paul said uh, that I've got hope beyond this life and beyond this world. He, and he said, you know, if death was to come, he said, well, no, no big deal. It would be better on the other side anyway. I'm going to keep living my life and doing the will of God. I'm not, I'm not wishing for it necessarily, but if, if it happens, uh, it's all in the hands of God because I can have a peace about it. I'm going to tell you, there's a peace that comes to the person that serves God concerning death. Amen. And so he takes the steps a benefit, takes the sting out of death. I hurry on. Another reason why we need to stay in the house is for posterity's sake. Our children, grandchildren. And I've kind of preempted that a little bit here with some of my remarks earlier on. But I want to tell you, your children and grandchildren, they may not even be serving God right now, but they have a better chance if you continue to serve God. They have a better opportunity if you continue to walk with God. Amen. The best thing you can do for a prodigal is to keep the house in order and keep it keep feeding the fatted calf as it were and keep preparations ready for their return and uh, they need to be able to recognize the house when they come back home. They need to be able to come and step into this place and say, you know what, I feel the same Holy Ghost I felt when I left here. I feel the same anointing that I felt when I left here. Things look the same as it did uh, when I left here. Amen. And I'm not saying uh, that uh, uh, I don't want anybody to read into the idea that uh, there will not be physical changes as far as the building's concerned and those kind of things. I'm talking about spiritual changes. I'm talking about taking on worldliness and carnality and those kinds of things that could affect people and, and they not be able to recognize the house of God when they return. When they walk into this place, they need to feel. They need to hear the same ring. They need to hear the same preaching of God's word and understand these folks still believe what they used to believe because there needs to be no confusion that this church, amen, still is what it's always been. It still believes what it's always believed. Amen. There's still power here to save. There's still the Holy Ghost here that can move on you and restore your life. Amen. Your children have a better chance if you stay in the church. Don't get discouraged and don't lose out with God for some petty reason. Amen. Keep living for God. You know, a lot of times we've got to be reminded of that, that I'm not just living for God for my own soul. First of all, I'm living for God that I can be saved. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But after that, I got to look around me at the people that I influence. And I got to realize I got a responsibility to them too. I don't want to be a stumbling block to them. Paul said, unless I preach to others, I'd be a castaway. He said, what kind of deal would that be? That all the influence I've had be, be, be thrown out the window because of some... Uh, Thing that I gave into or yielded to in my flesh. That would be a horrible thing to get this far along and to, and to lose that influence that I have. I want to I stay true to God. I want to stay true to His Word.
because I've got family members that are counting on it. Amen? And then another reason why you need to stay in the house is if you leave, if you leave, you will become worse than you were before God found you, according to the Word of God. Second Peter chapter number 2 and verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. And I know that's a very crude example, but it is the Word of God. That we, we say, well, I'm only going to go so far. I'm only going to go out and experiment and do certain things. Well, you don't really have any control over that once you don't have the covering of the Spirit of God and His blood upon you. Amen. You don't know how far you will go. You don't know what you're capable of. Amen. People that, that allow themselves to be given over to those things, they don't know how far they'll end up going. And I visited with many of them. I didn't intend to do this. I, I remember a man that, that walked away from God and, and uh, tragically, tragically led many other people away with him family members away with him and uh, he died unexpectedly and when he did his wife told a friend of mine at his funeral said you know we never anticipated going this far we didn't want for it to go this far we we just uh, got started down this road and went further and further and further and further until we ended up in this place and now our children they don't even know anything or they don't have any semblance of Pentecost or what we have been. I'm going to tell you, that's a sad state of affairs to end up in. It's a whole lot better for us to, to stay on this road walking right. Because if I ever leave the house, I'm going to end up in a worse condition. Galatians 5 and 1. Stand. Everybody say stand. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ had made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't go back and get entangled with things that God has delivered you from. Of course, what, what Paul is talking about is the Judaizers of his day that he had taught these people. These were his, his converts, Galatian people. Uh, people of Galatia was his converts. And these Judaizers, people that were, were trying to get them to come back under certain aspects of the law. And they were trying to... To, to, to influence them in that way and there were those that were going that route and he was warning them against it. He said, you've come out of that. Don't go back and entangle yourself with it. Don't allow them uh, uh, to deceive you into that false doctrine that you've been delivered out of. I'm going to tell you, when God delivers us, when God sets us free from sin, we don't need to look back. We need to keep looking ahead in God. Amen. Keep our eyes uh, uh, fastened on Him. Bible tells us uh, to look unto Jesus, which is the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise the Lord. The one that saved us is able to keep us to the end. 
I said the one that saved us in the beginning is able to give us whatever we need to make it to the end. Praise God. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. This is talking about that unclean spirit. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places. This is talking about the unclean spirit walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto the wicked, this wicked generation. People say, well, you know, I can, I can, I can hold on to a semblance of, of morality. I can hold on to, uh, I'm going to be a good person. You don't know. You don't know that because spirits and we're, we're, we're not a match for the spirits of hell without the power of the Holy Ghost. I said, we're not, we're not even on the level with that. You, you think, well, I got self-will. I got power. I, I can do all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pride. That needs to be repented of, first of all. But it's foolishness on top of all of that. Because that's contrary to the word of God. That unclean spirit is looking. That's why that unclean spirit's going to come back. The things that you've been delivered from according to this, this example, the things that you've been delivered from in the world, they're going to make a cycle and come back around. They're going to try to tempt you again. That's right. They're going, to try to, they're going to try to bring you down. They're going to look for an opening in your life. If you struggle with bitterness, uh, bitterness is going to try to come back around and find a, a, a way back into your life. Uh, if you've struggled with unforgiveness, unforgiveness is going to come back around and try to find a way into your life. Uh, if, if you struggle with addiction, addiction is going to come back around. If you struggle with immorality, immorality is going to come back around. And it's going to, when it finds an opening, it's going to say, hey, guys, the door's open. The house is clean. That's why we got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. That's why we got to stay full of the Spirit of God. I don't want to get entangled with those things any longer. Praise the Lord. Clap your hands to Him right now. You can stand with me. The final reason why we need to stay in the house, and I've given you six in case you're counting. The final reason why we need to stay in the house is that you may not make it back. You may not make it back. No guarantees. And Matthew 18 is the story of the lost lamb. And you know the story of how the, when the shepherd noticed out of the hundred sheep that he had, there was one that was lost. He left the ninety and nine, the scripture says. And he went out searching. And this is a, this is a, this first phrase here rings in my ears. And if, everybody say if. I'm going to tell you that's a big if. If so be that he find it. Didn't say that he did for sure. It said if. He's looking for it. He's searching for it. If so be that he find it. Verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went, up, went not astray. But the thing I want to zero in on is that if. There's no guarantees. There is absolutely no for sures 
that if you leave the house, that you'll ever be guaranteed of making it back. I don't want to gamble like that. I don't want to take risks like that. I, I don't want to, to uh, be that type of person that with something so important as my soul to live on the edge, to live in that dangerous place, to live in that if. Well, I, when, I, when I start seeing it's the end time, I'm going to come back. When I start seeing that this thing is wrapping up, then I'm going to make my way back to God. I don't think it's going to work like that, folks. But I think it's for those that stay with it and, and continue on and stay faithful to God. That's who he's coming back for. Amen. Would you lift your hands with me right now and let's, let's love the Lord for just a moment. Let's give praise to him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you could reach across to somebody right now and pray with them. Pray with them that this message would get down in their spirit. Would you help us pray one with another? Let this message get down in our spirit. Help us to never leave the house. Help us to stay in the house. That was the command to Rahab. You stay in this house. Every family member that you gather here, you instruct them, stay in this house that has the blood covenant or the, or the, or the cord that is hanging from the window, the scarlet thread that is hanging from the window. That's the house that we're coming back to. And that's the house that's going to be spared. When these walls fall, that's the only thing that's going to be standing is the house that has them. You stay in that house if you want to be saved. Well, God's made a covenant. If we'll stay in the church, that's what he's coming back for. Amen. He's not coming back necessarily for individuals. He's coming back for a church, the Bible said. And i got to stay in the church. And if I stay in the church, then I can go up with the church in the rapture. I can be caught away with the church when he returns and meet him in the air. Oh, if you want to be a part of that church, why don't you clap your hands and let's worship the Lord.